Okay, so we're going to be in Luke again today. Uh, the Lord's been leading me to Luke a lot lately, and uh, so we're going to be jumping around, but our main focus is going to be Luke 19.10. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us in part through your word, Lord, and what a privilege it is and a responsibility to uh, read your word and preach your word, Lord. And I pray that you help me this morning, Lord, and help us all as we uh, learn and grow and seek to draw closer to you, Lord, through your word. We thank you and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So last week, for Call to Worship, I quoted Luke 19.10, uh, where it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And I related the verse to missions, uh, saying that Jesus was essentially a missionary. And, and I, I found that the typical dictionary definition of missionary goes something like this. A person sent on a religious mission especially one sent to promote Christianity in a foreign country. Now, for, for Christians, uh, a more specific definition could be the following. A missionary is someone sent on a mission by Jesus Christ, just as he, Jesus, was sent on a mission by God. So a missionary is someone sent on a mission by Jesus Christ, just as Jesus was sent on a mission by God. And this definition reflects, I think, the meaning of John 20, 21, where Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Now, when I think of the word mission, I can't help but to think of it in, in a military sense. Uh, most of what I read for pleasure is, is military history. Uh, I've been reading a lot about the Korean War uh, lately. And, and whenever the military is sent out. There's always a mission. You know, whether it's a whole army or a small platoon or a squad, everything they do is about the mission. And the mission might be offensive in nature, uh, you know, whether to capture a town or a strategic hill or, or even to liberate an entire country. Or the mission could be defensive in nature, whether to defend a town or a strategic hill or, or even defend a country. But either way, there's always a goal, there's always a purpose or objective to the mission. And Luke 19.10 speaks to the mission of Jesus, as well as the purpose or objective. He came to seek and to save the lost. Now, the verse suggests three aspects of, of Jesus' uh, mission or purpose. First of all, he came, right? He came. Uh, John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And, and, you know, we call that the incarnation. He came to seek the lost. That's the second aspect. And he came to save the lost. And that, that's the mission of Jesus. And we're going to unpack that a little this morning in preparation for the Lord's table. So I want, to, I want to put this verse in its context, 
But in order to do so, we need to back up a few verses. And then we're going to back up a few chapters. Let's read Luke 19, 1 through 10. It says, He, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he, Jesus, was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they, the crowd, saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be, in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Now this is a familiar story. Uh, if you went to Sunday school as a child, you probably uh, recall the uh, you know the story through this song. Now, I'm not going to sing it, so don't worry. <laughs> Zacchaeus was a little man, a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in that tree and said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today, for I'm going to your house to stay. Now, as cute as that song might be, it doesn't point out that Zacchaeus was a tax collector, a hated tax collector. And not only was he a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector. And, and he climbed the, the tree not only because he was short, but because he was hated. It, it, the, the, the passage says he had to run ahead of the crowd and climb the tree because the, basically the crowd wouldn't have let him go near them. Now, in that culture, Zacchaeus had four strikes against him. Anybody familiar with Calvin and Hobbes? Yes. Okay. Calvin and Hobbes invent their own rules for baseball. Okay, so that's why we can have four strikes here, because I'm using Calvin and Hobbes' rules for baseball. So, number one strike. He was a tax collector. You know, who likes tax collectors? Number two, he was a crook and a cheat. I mean, that's how they made their money. They collected taxes from Rome, and they collected a little more uh, for themselves. Number three, he was working for the hated Roman Empire. And number four, well, he was rich. But not only was he rich, he was rich at the expense of the people. So we have a, a, a crooked, rich uh, tax collector, and not only that, he's working for the enemy. The people hated his guts. They couldn't stand the sight of him. He represented everything that was wrong and bad about life as they knew it. And the crowd wouldn't have let him near uh, them because he was also considered unclean uh, due to his association with the Roman Gentiles. So that's a, that's a fifth strike, isn't it? All right. 
So, but he was obviously curious about Jesus, and he, and he found a way to see him. He climbed up into the tree. And Jesus notices him in the tree. And then Jesus does the completely unexpected. Now, Jesus could have ignored Zacchaeus. He, he could have walked right past him. Jesus w- would have been uh, justified to condemn him. Uh, and, and the crowds would have been happy with that, wouldn't they? Uh, they would have uh, applauded. But instead, Jesus shocks the crowd by inviting himself to Zacchaeus' house for dinner. And the crowd actually complained about Jesus' actions, saying, he has gone to, the, to be the guest of a sinner. Now, it doesn't get any worse than being called a tax collector and a sinner. If you read through the Gospels, it doesn't get any worse than that. Now, if being called a tax collector and a sinner sounds familiar, you might recall chapter 15 of Luke. Chapter 15 includes the three parables, the three parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal, or the lost son. Now, Jesus told those parables in response to similar uh, grumbling where it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him, to hear Jesus, and the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Now I find it interesting that the the tax collectors and sinners were the ones who were drawing near to hear Jesus. Now, try to remember, what do the sheep, the coin, and the prodigal son all have in common with Zacchaeus. What they have in common was that they were all lost. They were all lost. And with those three parables, Jesus is emphasizing the love and mercy of God the Father in reaching out to the lost. Uh, But those parables, they're, they're simple but fictional Stories or illustrations, that's why we call them parables. And they're intended to teach something about God, something specific. But the situation with Zacchaeus is real life. It's a true story. It's Jesus actually in the act of fulfilling his mission, which is seeking and saving the lost. Now, in the parable of the lost sheep, the owner loses one sheep out of a hundred. So he has 99 left. You know, what's the big deal? But the owner leaves the 99. It says to go after the one that was lost. And he persists, it says, until he finds it. And when he has found it, it says, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. He lays it on his shoulders because the sheep is too weak to return on its own. And when the owner comes home with the sheep, he calls his friends and he calls his neighbors and he calls them all together to rejoice with him. And Jesus finishes the parable by saying, he says, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who, they think, uh, need no repentance. And this this joy in heaven is such a a contrast to the grumbling of the leaders who are actually disturbed by Jesus eating with the sinners. 
Now, when Jesus encountered Zacchaeus, he was in Jericho, which was a large, bustling town, and there were probably hundreds of people around. Yet Luke records only one person out of the crowd of grumblers. Zacchaeus, the tax collector, only one person out of hundreds who was willing to admit that he was lost and needed Jesus. And we know this because Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house. Today salvation has come to Zacchaeus' house. And Zacchaeus responds by showing that his repentance and faith are genuine as he seeks to make amends for all the wrong he had done. It says, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, and he did, of course, uh, I restore it fourfold. So the implication is that he actually did restore anyone who he, he defrauded. Now the parable of the lost coin is similar to the lost sheep. The point is not about the money. The point is the extent to which the woman is searching for the missing coin. She lights a lamp. She sweeps the whole house. She seeks for it dil diligently, and she doesn't stop until she finds it. And then she rejoices with her friends and neighbors. A part of what this parable is saying is that, that the coin didn't find the woman, right? Nor did the coin seek the woman, but it was the woman who found the coin. But not until she swept and searched every nook and cranny in the house. And this, this shows that God is the one who seeks. God is the one who seeks those who are lost. And that grace is not a result of our, our own effort. effort. We read that in, in Ephesians 2.8 where it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works. So that this grace is a result of God's uh, blood being shed for us on the cross of Calvary. So the woman, she finds the coin, and once again Jesus says, just so, or in the same way, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And I was, I was thinking about that, the angels rejoicing. Now, the angels are already in heaven, right? I mean, they're all set. They're, they're, you know, they're where they want to be. I mean, what do they care if you or I or Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus or anybody else gets found? You know, what do they care if anyone gets saved? I mean, they're already in heaven. But they do care. And why? Because God cares. The angels are rejoicing because God is rejoicing. When Zacchaeus repented and believed, the angels in heaven even rejoiced. Now remember, Jesus is telling these parables in order to tell us about God. In his love and in his mercy, he seeks and saves the lost. The sheep owner who rejoices when he finds the lost sheep, well, that's God. The woman who rejoices after finding the lost coin in the parable, that's God. And it's the same with the prodigal son. The son who was, was lost to a, a world of, of pleasure, a world of money. And when those things failed him, he was lost in his hopelessness and his despair. 
But listen to what the father did when the son was found. He said, but while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. In that culture, it was unheard of for an older, wealthy landowner to run. That's just the way it was back then. But the father didn't care if he acted undignified. He didn't care if that's what, not what men of his stature do. But he did run. And he embraced his son. And the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now with this parable, Jesus deliberately intended to paint this picture of the father running down the road. Probably holding up his robes with one hand and waving to his son with the other, trying not to trip, looking very undignified in the world's eyes. Jesus deliberately intended that to be a picture of God, God the Father seeking the lost. So Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That was his mission. His mission was to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus was lost. And it wasn't because he was a hated tax collector. And that's what the others in the crowd couldn't understand. They couldn't understand that they were all lost, not just the sinners and tax collectors. And it's the same for us. Without Christ, we're all lost. It's not just drunks and drug addicts. It's not just homosexuals and transgenders. It's not just prisoners and prostitutes. It's all people without Christ. We're all lost. We don't know for sure, but when God started working on Zacchaeus' heart, maybe he remembered that other tax collector. Maybe word had gotten around about that other tax collector whose life had been radically changed when Jesus found him. You know, the guy named Levi, otherwise known as Matthew. Remember when Jesus called him? Maybe Zacchaeus was thinking that. Or maybe, maybe because Jesus had spent so much time with the sick and the lame and the poor, and the dreaded sinners and tax collectors, maybe hope started to well up in Zacchaeus for a different life. Maybe that's why he climbed the tree. You know, just to see Jesus, just out of curiosity, what's this guy all about? And then Jesus found him, and Jesus saved him. Mission accomplished, right? Mission accomplished. But what about you? Are you in that tree? Are you in that tree just looking, just checking things out, curious about Jesus, but not yet ready to come down yet? Or, or are you a grumbler, you know, one, one in the crowd, thinking that you don't need Jesus? I'm not as bad as a tax collector. I'm not like those sinners over there. I'm not totally lost. Or are you Zacchaeus, admitting that you are lost, willing to come down and receive Jesus' invitation, 
willing to receive Jesus as Savior and have him dine with you, just as with Zacchaeus. And that's our Savior. That's Jesus Christ. He's on a mission. He seeks and saves the lost. He's on a mission, and he's still on a mission. He's still seeking, and he's still saving. Amen? Amen. And he invites us to dine with him, just like Zacchaeus. And one day, we'll be dining with him for all eternity. But now, segue, we're going to dine with him at the communion table. And as Jesus says, until he comes again. Amen? Amen. Amen.